On December 2nd, 1859, an old white man was taken to the middle of a Virginia field and executed by being hanged. He had been found guilty of treason after leading a daring yet piss-poorly planned raid on a United States armory that had resulted in several deaths. He had hoped that his attack would lead to a slave uprising in the South. While those hopes were quickly dashed, many believe his actions were the spark that set off the U.S. Civil War. In this episode, we're going to tell you about this somewhat misguided martyr and the failure that would make him an abolitionist hero. Grab a drink and settle in for this episode of Hunter Proof History, titled John Brown, Task Failed Successfully. This is Hunter Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. Good morning, Christopher, even though it's the afternoon. Oh, hello. How are you? It's morning for me. I just woke up from my coke-fueled binge partying and, you know. And by coke, I mean Coca-Cola. The caffeine helps me stay awake at night. So that's what you've been up to, huh? (laughs) Yep. Okay. How are you, sir? Ah, doing good, man. I'm beat. Beat. Yeah? Been uh, working hard on something. It's just been taking a lot of my time. Well, it's not this show. No, it's actually the, the trailer to my new movie. What? Yeah. It's ready? I know you've been working on that thing for a while. That's that's exciting news. You want to preview it here on the show? or? I mean, we have a captive audience. We might as well. I mean, I'm I'm excited. I've This is new to me, too, guys. I'm okay. ooh, looking well, forward to this. All right. And roll them. The year is 2083. Corpo Greed has destroyed the last vestiges of the American dream. Societies live in fear and squalor. Fathers sell their daughters to put food on the table. The now privatized military polices the streets, funded by their corporate overlords. Dogs are living with cats. (laughs) How did this happen, you might ask? The very things we celebrated and nurtured turned on us. The entirety of America is now owned by GameStop. (laughs) Consolidation of corporations started soon after the Great Fall, as it has come to be known, when idiots on the internet destroyed the American stock market, (laughs) sparking a chain of events that decimated the economy, allowing GameStop to purchase rival corporations in a cascading manner for pennies on the dollar. They now effectively control all of North America. They use their shell company, AMC Theaters, to build large-scale <laughs> concentration camps to liquidate the homeless population after charging them exorbitant amounts of money for soda and popcorn. The world needs a hero in this sea of hopelessness. Cyborg John Brown, a cybernetic organism created in a clandestine rebel lab, is the last hope to spark a revolution amongst the proletariat. His bravery stats have been boosted to 100, while his intelligence stats have been capped at 15. Will humanity's last hope bring the super corporation to its knees, freeing mankind from the invisible chains that hold them back? Find out in an AMC theater near you. <laughs> what do you think? Oh, I love it. I, You know what? I, I'm going to be honest, I missed like a couple of the first uh, plot points because I was just vibing to the music. Mm-hmm. Like, Man, that's some good music. 
I miss those uh, those old trailers where they just explain the whole plot while you're waiting for the movie to start. You're like, oh yeah, oh yeah. You know the the '80s thing, man. That was that was amazing, fantastic work. I, I I'm really looking forward to that. When's that uh, hitting theaters? By the way? Uh, yeah. So <laughs> since you like the music, it's a little synthwave vibe. It's by Zombie Hyperdrive. The okay. Title of the song is Red Eyes. I recommend y'all check it out if you like that kind of thing. Very cool, very cool. You know, I was thinking during this thing, uh, you know, the whole stock thing that you were obviously referencing, uh, humans that aren't aware of this, um, there's a big stock market shakeup going on. Look, yeah, it's all over the fucking internet, come on. Yeah, my wife knows, and if she knows anything about the stock market, it means everybody else knows too. Yeah, especially, the, the weird thing is, people now know about Reddit. You know, a lot of people knew about Reddit, but, like, your mom didn't yeah. know what the fuck Reddit was. Now the olds are on board. Fuck. Yeah. It's gonna be like Facebook, where you're just gonna have to leave again. Yeah, she called me up, she's like, I joined the autistic army, and now I'm gonna get some tendies. I'm like, oh, god damn it, mom. God damn it. Fucking mom. My mom started talking about her wife's boyfriend, and I'm like, no! <laughs> that's mine! <laughs> and that's, that's something I talked to you about off-air, is I'm mildly upset because that is a huge part of Wall Street bets is they're always talking about their wife's boyfriends and shit. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing that on this show for like two years. Yeah. But now it's like fucking mainstream. So I'm sure new listeners of the show are going to be like, oh, this, this fucking parrot over here. <laughs> no! No damn you! Yeah, he was he was first. Give him, give him credit where credit's due. No, but I was, I was thinking, you know, because it's funny, last year, you kept reading stuff about how AMC was failing because, you know, the pandemic and nobody's going to the movies, they're not releasing new movies, and like, good, good, let them die. <laughs> no mm-hmm. more $12 popcorns for me in your shitty theaters. Ugh. You know, because I'd always go to the small theaters, the dine-in, whatever, where if someone was talking, you could, like, write a note and have them kicked out so you could be all super passive-aggressive and shit. I'd be like, oh, God. There's women in here. She's talking too much. They'll believe me because she's a girl. Get her out of here. She brought her Chad boyfriend. Sir, why'd you write Chad boyfriend on it? <laughs> His name is Robert. <laughs> wow, well, uh, you can imagine. Yeah, but then this started happening, and maybe I, maybe I threw a few bucks at AMC. I'm like, yes, save the theaters. I love going to the movies. AMC is my favorite establishment to see a movie. <laughs> Well, same thing with GameStop. I invested with them and, uh, you know, made a quick buck. Mm-hmm. But uh, it wasn't that long ago. Everybody was dogpiling on GameStop for being a shitty fucking company and being super glad that they were failing. Yeah. And now they're like these these heroes. It's just like, okay. Kind of reminds me of earlier today when I opened up my phone and I read a report that Dustin Diamond, a.k.a. Screech, had passed away. Moment of silence, please. <laughs> Goes out to you, Dustin. But that was the thing about him, is when he was alive, everybody bagged on him, first of all, for being Screech, but then he turned out to be this huge douchebag who, like, stabbed people and, like, robbed... He's just a complete dick to everyone. No, oh, I retract my... Well, now that he's dead, you can bring it back, because now everybody loves him. Everybody's like, oh, it's so tragic, he was so young, and he was such a part of my childhood, and... Call it the Kobe effect. Yeah, it is the Kobe effect. It's bullshit. It's like, if he's alive today, and you think he's a piece of shit, and he dies tomorrow, he nothing changed. 
in that 24-hour period besides the fact that he stopped breathing. It makes me angry. It makes me ir- irrationally angry at society because I know when I die, no one's going to care. They're going to line up to piss on my grave. It's bullshit. It's just bullshit. I'll be the first in line, brother. <laughs> just want you to know that's how much you mean to me. Well, that's part of my, you know, my will is I just want to see it one more time. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. Let's get this fucking show started. Uh, today we are talking about John Brown, the raid on Harper's Ferry. Very interesting story. Something um, I didn't know a lot about going into. Kind of knew the basic details of it. But now that I've read about it, studied it, man, it's a very cool story. And our source, Gregory, is Midnight Rising, John Brown and the Raid that Sparked the Civil War by Tony Horwitz. It was good to read something that I essentially had no clue about. Yeah, uh, when I was thinking about it, I was like, you know, all I really know is John Brown went to the armory, tried to capture it, to start a slave uprising, and it failed. And my first thought when I heard that story was, well, how is it going to start a slave uprising? I don't understand how that was going to happen. And then once I've studied this, I realized I had immediately put more thought into the plan than John Brown did. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and all that's going to make sense to you guys here in a little bit, but uh, I guess we should probably go ahead and get into this tale of heroism. Heroism? I believe it's heroism. I just had a stroke. Jesus Christ. This tale of heroism about a man who didn't know what the fuck he was doing. Greg, what do you think? Uh, I agree. Yes! He said we could do it, guys. Let's go! John James King of Soul Brown was born in Connecticut in 1800. His father, Owen, noted the birth in his journal by writing, May 9th, John was born. Nothing very uncommon. It's not clear whether he meant there were no complications, or if his wife was constantly spitting out babies, or if he had already decided his infant son was mediocre at best. This is my sixth fucking kid. This one can't even sit up. I don't think he's going to get very far in life. Piece of shit. The Browns were strict Calvinists who believe that everyone is preordained to a certain destiny by God. It is a very strict religion, and John would later say that he had never attempted to dance, never learned any card games, and didn't take part in small talk. Same way I spent all of my uh, college years. I was just hanging out in my dorm room alone, eating Cheetos. I don't want to go to the dance. I can't dance. I'm not going to... Hey, you want to play cards with us? I'm like, oh God, oh God, I have social anxiety. I don't want to fucking play cards. I'll lose. And then, or what if I win? Oh God, if I win, then they fucking hate me for sure. Uh, 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 I'm just, and I sat in my room. I'm just going to put on my dress again. The dress makes me feel normal. The dress makes me feel good. <laughs> Didn't go to the dance. No, the college the old, dance. The old college dance. The college homecoming I didn't go to fucking college, okay? I'm the, out of uh, it now. <laughs> Thanks. The college soda pop social. Everything I know about college came from Saved by the Bell of college years, which were the best ones, because Screech was fucking gone. That fucking prick. Jesus Christ, and now he's gone for real. <laughs> Just be on cloud nine. I guess he can't ruin the real world either. Way to go. <sighs> Doesn't Diamond rape me? Oh, sorry. Never mind. Uh, continue God! Going <laughs> having a good time. <laughs> Apologies to Screech's mother. I know you listen. I, I, I'm sorry for being insensitive. 
Hit me up in the comments. Yeah, how you doing? You need a shoulder to cry on? I don't really have shoulders. I, you know, just have these droopy things that hang down. Arms come out of my neck. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) But I'm very soft. I'm like a beanbag chair. Just plop on, girl. (laughs) Plop on, girl. That's my my go-to. My dirty talk. That gets some. Hey. Uh, that gets some. <laughs> yeah. When he was twelve, John saw a slave boy being beaten with iron shovels. This, along with his father's staunch beliefs, put John on the path towards becoming an abolitionist. From then on, he would find himself daydreaming of ways to overthrow the institution of slavery through violent means. And who could blame him? Nobody. Yeah. You know. But it's. I guess it's daydreams. It's like me and my. In fifth grade, I had a crush on a girl. But I was. Just couldn't say shit to her. I was terrified of it. And, uh, I mean, this is true. I'm not making this shit up. Um, and she had a, a boyfriend. You know, we're 11 years old, but she had a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And I, I would literally daydream. It's like, he's going to hit her one day. He's going to be real mean to her. And I'm going to step in and save her. And she's going to love me forever. We're going to get married, have babies. He yells at her one day on the basketball court. And you're like, excuse me. And then he just beats the fucking shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs> That didn't go how I imagined. Yeah, I'm laying there twitching, having like a mild seizure. (laughs) Do you love me? And she's like, you're so fucking pathetic. And just steps over me. Doesn't even help me up or call the nurse. He pees on you. She laughs. It's actually (laughs) ended the argument was him beating you up. Get me preteen pregnant. God damn it. This didn't work out at all. (laughs) We've said this before, but it's, it's terrifying that people don't grow out of that mindset. That, uh, oh yeah, he's mean to her. He's going to be mean to her. I'm going to step in and be the hero. She's going to love me forever. Oh, yeah. Either way, I'm going to send her a picture of my dick. I'll probably get things going. I'll <laughs> get the ball rolling. If she doesn't like it, I'll call her a stupid whore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, humans are the worst. When he was 19, John moved west and started a tannery. That's where you... You dry out hides and make stuff out of them, guys. It's not a tan. No, it's like a all. Palm Beach tan. <laughs> yeah. They have little, the Playboy Bunny tan indicator on the tummy. Oh, yeah, the little things you can lay on yourself to get your tan shapes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tan indicator. That's what that's called? That's a that's an actual know. thing? I uh, It sounds better than the little the, thing the, you can thing. lay on yourself to see how <laughs> tan you got. <laughs> All right, well... Figure tan indicators. Short <laughs> yeah. version of that stupid sentence. <laughs> I'm just saying, you Google one of those, and I think mine will bring back the better results. Like, the thingy that you lay, because most people are idiots, and Google understands that, and just goes off that. You tan indicator, and it'll, like, bring up this device that can tell how many how much melanin's in your skin, like a scientific device. That's all I'm saying. Just, uh, the idiots run the world, Greg. Don't uh, Don't attack us. Maybe we need to let GameStop take over. (laughs) Maybe we need a purge like that. (laughs) John was soon married, and over the following nine years, he and his first wife would have six kids. She died giving birth to their seventh. You know what? If you already had six, how's the seventh kill you? Like, is that thing not like just a slip and slide? Like a, just a poop, poop, poop. They found claw marks on her uterus. (laughs) Yeah. Let's be serious here, Chris. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And yes, ladies, before you hit me up, I know that's not how the vagina works. 
I don't know how vaginas work, but uh, I figured they'd be angry about how <laughs> me saying it. it's like a, a wet and wild ride of just babies popping out. I figure, I figure someone would take offense to that. So, yes, I know. <laughs> I know I'm an idiot. You don't have to tell me. I know how the <laughs> vagina works. <laughs> you pee out of it, and then the baby rides down the pee in the water slide in a little tube. I'm not a moron. I don't know where the stork comes in, but it's involved, you know. <laughs> I'm somewhat educated. <laughs> well, a year after his first wife died, John married his housekeeper's 16-year-old sister, Mary, and she would go on to give birth to 13 more brown babies. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> African-American, please, Christopher. <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. Now, John Brown was very open-minded, so maybe, but I meant... Brown, as in their last name, babies. Brown, comma. No, that doesn't work. Just brown babies. <laughs> John's biggest shortcoming as an adult was his complete and utter inability to manage his money. Oh, I'm right there with you, buddy. Just, uh... But I would like to thank the Patreon listeners because of your kind donations and subscriptions to our service, where you know you guys get the extra episodes and stuff. I have been able to finally upgrade my phone, and I've got this iPhone six. Greg, it's pretty nice. There's a front and back camera. So, yeah. Pretty sure if I turn them on at the same time, the phone becomes invisible. So that's pretty cool, right? Is that how it works? I think so, yeah. Well, just like me, John was always broke and his businesses always fell apart. John moved to Springfield, Missouri, where he worked as a shepherd of sheep, but struggled because... I know I said it like that, Shepherd of Sheep. 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 Like, oh, that's the surprising part. Like, yeah, you he wasn't expect- a shepherd of literally anything else. <laughs> shepherd of ferrets and, you know, just oh, he continue. Was, he on. wasn't a uh, German shepherd. He was just a <laughs> shepherd of sheep. Huh, yeah. <laughs> but he struggled because he refused to sell his wool. At low prices. He's just screaming, Diamond hands! Diamond hands! I'm just like, what the fuck's that even mean? <laughs> this guy keeps writing H-O-D-L and like holding the sign up on the side of the road and like, what the fuck is happening? It was here in the year 1848 that John met noted escaped slave and all-around badass Frederick Douglass. John told Douglas that he planned to fight a guerrilla war in the Allegheny Mountains with the hope of freeing and recruiting slaves. Just uh, up there in the mountains, just him and one gorilla wearing a power glove. <laughs> <laughs> Amy no like slavery. Amy free the oppressed. Alright, shut up. We know, we know. We've been talking about it for years. Amy miss sexual satisfaction. Shut up, Amy. <laughs> Aren't you Amy's husband? Uh, yes. That the glove is it's faulty. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Ever since she starred in that '90s movie Congo, it's it hasn't worked the same. <laughs> this not true. Amy not sexually satisfied. Hundred percent not sexually satisfied. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Amy. <laughs> God. Oh. I'm sorry, guys. Can't believe I left my wife and 400 children for you. (laughs) (laughs) 
This is not nearly as fun as it was when we were sneaking around. I'm just gonna say it. This is turning into a full blown relationship, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting bored here. Just gonna, not gonna lie to you, Amy. Amy should have stayed in Gorilla Tribe, even though Gorilla have small penis, still bigger than you. <laughs> Amy not sexually satisfied. No! <laughs> <laughs> Is that thing broken? You keep he jumps saying off that. the cliff. <laughs> I think it's really, really faulty. <laughs> it keeps saying the same thing in a variety of ways. <laughs> well, Douglas thought that John's plan to hang out in the mountains and fight a guerrilla war was a dumbass plan, but he did applaud the sentiment. Okay, well, your your heart's in the right place, right there in the middle of your chest. Where Frederick Douglass can eat it. <laughs> All right, now I got to start working on my my script, Vampire Frederick Douglass. There we go. Let's see it. I don't think that'll go over very well. I don't think people will appreciate that. You know, there's some subtle undertones and stuff, but uh, you know, it's kind of turning a, a national hero into a monster. <laughs> it's okay, right? Yeah, I mean. No fanfic? Yeah, I've already ruined their hero Screech for them. Might as well just throw Frederick Douglass in there. They're on the same level, Screech and Frederick Douglass. <laughs> <laughs> in 1854, President Franklin Paul Pierce signed the Kansas-Nebraska Act, which created the new territory of Kansas. I'm sorry, who? You know, Franklin Paul Pierce. Played a uh, power forward for the Celtics. I've heard of that man. What do you mean, President Pierce? <laughs> yeah. Kind of a nobody. I've literally never heard of this man. <laughs> He's kind of a nobody. He really was. He's one of those presidents. Yeah. You know, one of those one-termers that everybody forgets about because they were so bad at their job. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nothing meant by that. <clears throat> nope. <laughs> Continuing on. Now, according to the 1850 Missouri Compromise, all of this territory was too far north to be made into slave states. It was north of what they called the Mason-Dixon Line. Pierce said, fuck that. Let the voters decide. This led to a whole bunch of people streaming to the territory just to vote for their stance. In 1855, it was estimated there were about 2,900 eligible voters in Kansas, and yet the pro-slavery side won a vote that year with 5,400 votes. And for all you uh, math geniuses out there, 5,400 is more than 2,900. Through these votes, the anti-slavery movements and protests were outlawed, and violence between the groups began to occur. John Brown's sons booked it for Kansas and then sent word to their dad. Surprise, surprise! His businesses had once again gone under, so he decided it was high time to fight against slavery. He raised money for guns and supplies, and then headed to Kansas with a few more of his sons. Again, this guy had 20 fucking kids. So he's like, hey, what's your name? John Four. Come on. <laughs> John Four's like, I gotta go fight Ivan Drago. He's like, no, that, that's Rocky. That's a, that's a different... <laughs> Different person. Come on. You're going with me to Kansas. Like, fucking why? It's Kansas. Kansas. Never have more people died over a less interesting and useful piece of land than the people that died in Kansas in the 1850s. That's all I'm going to say. 
Shout out to our Kansas listeners. I'm sorry, Kansas listener is what you meant to say. That one guy who's driving through at, at like 95 miles an hour to try and get to a better state. <laughs> By the time John got to Kansas, he was exhausted and once again broke, being down to his last 60 cents. That didn't keep him from immediately taking action. Well, actually, he had to stop for a minute and go up to guys at gas stations like, man, my car broke down just a little bit down the road. If you can just give me like six bucks so I can you know, get some gas and walk back and fill it up. How are you going to transport $6 of gas back there? Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. come on, man. Why are you giving me he's, so much he's grief? Like itching his throat, like trying to scratch out the <laughs> meth bugs. <laughs> well, speaking of which, it might be a good time to talk about how John Brown looked. You've seen pictures of John Brown, Gregory. Mm-hmm. Interesting looking guy. To me, he looks like that guy, like when you were a teenager, you're like working at a grocery store or fast food place, you know, trying to make some money, you know, get a car, go on some dates. But there was that weird 40 something year old dude that worked there. Like that was his last fucking option because no one else would hire him. And he's like, oh, he's real jittery. Hey, hey, hey man, you want to hear a dirty joke? <laughs> like, fuck yeah, I'm, I'm 16. Let's do man, it. I, I remember when I was your age, the chicks, man, the chicks. And I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, fucking weirdo. And then you take it a step further. He's like, they didn't dress nothing like they do today, man. If they dressed like this back then, oh, I don't even know. I'd probably have like eight kids. <laughs> I only got six right now. <laughs> kind of adjust his crotch a little bit while he's saying it. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> You guys want to come over and drink some wine coolers after work? (laughs) (laughs) I'd probably have like eight kids. (laughs) These boys could get pregnant, you know? (laughs) You really are filling out, man. You're going to, you know, you're taking a. (laughs) You're packing on some LBs there. Yeah. Yeah. You've been working out. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you look good in that in that Pizza Hut shirt, but uh, <laughs> you know, I think you look good without it too. <laughs> I bet if you put a leotard on, you'd look like a professional <laughs> gymnast. <laughs> yeah, I got one in my in my truck. If you want to, <laughs> if you want to try it on, maybe I'll take some pictures and show them to you after I get them developed. You know, <laughs> I, I, don't mind the stains. It's just <laughs> it was wine, red wine, <laughs> and that that rip there. On the on the bottom part, that's just uh last boy that was wearing it. It got caught on uh the lawnmower. He was doing some work for me. <laughs> so you got the stains and you got you you got that. But otherwise, <laughs> good as new, just put it on. Put it on and come to my apartment. <laughs> Suddenly the Pizza Hut jukebox starts playing Goodbye Horses. He's like, hey, put this on. It's <laughs> 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 my favorite song. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he has it ready. Come on under the apartment. Is that a kimono? <laughs> oh yeah, it's just yeah. <laughs> they're comfortable. You don't don't knock it till you try it. My grandpa uh, fought in the war. <laughs> well, where are those wine coolers? Oh, they're they're just over here. Yeah, what are those blue barrels for? <laughs> oh, don't mind those. <laughs> Right around the time John arrived in Kansas, the city of Lawrence had recently been captured by pro-slavery forces. Federal troops had shown up and driven the men out of the city, but they were still hanging out nearby. One of them was James Doyle. On the night of May 24th, 1856, he heard a knock at his door. When he opened it, armed men busted in and dragged him and his two adult sons outside. 
The armed men were led by a slim-faced old man who spoke like a northerner on meth. That man was John Brown. <laughs> you boys, you boys want to come outside? I got some, I got some, uh, some porno mags out here. <laughs> <laughs> they took Doyle outside and hacked him and his sons to bits with swords and then shot them. They then went to two more houses and did the same thing to two other pro-slavery men. Kind of conflicts a little bit with his staunch religious beliefs, just saying. Yeah, it's almost like he had this means to an end thing and he would justify it however he could. Yeah, and I'm not going to pretend to completely understand Calvinism, but a part of it is as soon as you're born or even before you're born, you're like you're preordained to your destiny, right. but also preordained to heaven or hell. Like only a certain number of people get in heaven and it's already like beginning of time. God knew who was getting to heaven. So, like, John's like, well, I'm probably not one of those guys, so let's fucking go wild, man. Let's have some fun. He went wild this night, for sure. Yeah. John thought he was a hero, but things kind of went to shit after that. His sons Owen and John Jr. had mental breakdowns over the murders they committed. You know, like, eh, normal humans. Like, I killed somebody. I should feel bad about this. Right. <laughs> they weren't homeless. They had families. <laughs> They just weren't at home. <laughs> yeah. no, I saw him on the streets. I'm pretty sure he was homeless. He had a briefcase. <laughs> yeah. You literally walked into his house, grabbed him by the hair, and dragged him outside. <laughs> Took him to the woods, handed him a sign that said, we'll work for food. And then suddenly this little boy in a ball gag showed up and a bear, and they started shouting blood for the forest. <laughs> oh, Christopher Robin and Pooh Bear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. John Jr. was captured, tortured, and in prison. The Brown Farms were burnt down, and they had to hide out in the woods for months at a time. His son, Salmon, was shot and wounded, and another son, Frederick, who had severe mental health issues, mistook some pro-slavery men for friends, and was shot and killed. Are we just going to gloss over <laughs> Salmon? No, we're going to glaze over it, Greg. Nice little... <laughs> Put it on a cedar plank. <laughs> <laughs> like all the other ones have... You know, biblical names and stuff like that. And this was like, well, I was eating salmon when she gave birth that night. So that's, I don't fucking know. I have 20 <laughs> kids. This one's named Doorknob. I don't, I don't fucking know. You know, I've run out of names. Hezekiah. You know, all these biblical names are too long, too hard to spell. So uh your name is Fart. Fart. Fart Brown. Hi, how are you doing? Fart Brown. Ugh. I don't think that's, uh, I don't think that's just fart, Christopher. <laughs> Dad, you know what this is going to look like in the phone book, don't you? <laughs> that's why it's great. <laughs> that's what you get for being a child. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do anything about it. <laughs> in a few months he had spent in Kansas, John Brown had taken out five pro-slavery men, defended a couple of anti-slavery towns, had two of his sons temporarily abandon his cause, while another was wounded, and another was killed. So, sort of a mixed bag, really. But, in the Northeast, he was being hailed as a hero. He decided it was time to cash in on his notoriety, and went on a speaking tour to raise money. Now, he was a passionate man who loved to speak about his plans, but he also had a nasally voice, and most of his speeches were just him whining about all the stuff he had lost, and how broke he was. Come on, give me some money, man. I just gotta make it to the next uh, next exit, you know? Just, uh, my wife's in the car, she's waiting. 
He's <laughs> a little bit of cash, right? <laughs> What's so funny about this, sir? <laughs> Nothing. Why are you fondling yourself? <laughs> Brown spent a year speaking and raising thousands of dollars, which he promptly wasted on nonsense like an order of 5,000 spears to be used in his upcoming slave uprising. In 1857, he headed back to Kansas to continue the fight. By that time, he was down to just $25. Turned out in the year he was gone, the feds had sent in troops and things, and Kansas had calmed down. And so, Brown began to recruit and train men for a new plan. A raid on the U.S. Armory at Harper's Ferry, Virginia. On a speaking tour, he had made some rich friends who hired a military strategist named Hugh Forbes to help out. Brown told Forbes his plan was to take 25 men into Virginia, free 100 slaves, give them horses, and then lead an attack on the armory where they steal all the guns and they go up in the mountains and fight a guerrilla war. Amy come in peace. Amy no want war. <laughs> Too fucking bad, you gorilla. <laughs> the reckoning's coming. <laughs> Other slaves would find out about the plan and join in, and the abolitionists in the North would overthrow the pro-slavery U.S. government. But Forbes told Brown, that's a stupid fucking plan, and quit his job. It's like, uh, he said the same thing. He's like, how, how are the slaves going to know you're having an uprising? Like, how are you going to control this army that is untrained that you mm -hmm. just, like, picked up that day? You know, he's like, this thing's either going to go out of control or just fall apart and peter out in nothing. And Brown's like, you know, I, I got I, God and stuff. God's God's going to do it. Destiny. I don't know, man. Let's go kill shit. If you believe in something, you know, good things happen. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's why each year Santa brings me a present. Because I've been a good boy. God damn, you're 50 years old. Jesus, you still believe in Santa? I'm still a good boy. <laughs> well, Forbes left behind his manuals on guerrilla warfare, so the nine men that remained with Brown began to drill and train. Those are two different actions, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> You can do both at once. Yep. You can have a train where everybody's just drilling. <laughs> Brown then traveled east. <laughs> Damn it. Brown then traveled east and met again with Frederick Douglass and told him of his new plan. Douglass once again said, well, that's a stupid fucking plan. Brown showed him drawings of his plans for forts and bunkers, and Douglass wasn't interested in that either, but he said his kids thought the drawings were pretty neat. Like, so fucking dismissive when he's talking about it later. He's like, uh, you know, he talked to me about it. I I thought it was nonsense, but my kids really like the drawings, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's very condescending. He took a, ma a map of Pennsylvania and Virginia and Maryland, and he just, like, drew these colonial houses with the smoke coming out and the sun smiling and stick figures. Like, this is where we'll be. And his kids are like, oh, that's amazing. Look at that. Frederick's like, good God, this guy's just, he's just target. <laughs> There's something wrong with him. Just patting him, John, on his padded helmet. Like, oh, no, my font nail. My font nail. Be careful. <laughs> oh, no, hush, hush. That's a good boy. Good boy. Yes, slavery is evil. You're right. You did a party. Here's a treat. He just, like, shoves a bone in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but Brown still gained support among the abolitionists, especially after he and his men went to Missouri, killed a slave owner, freed 11 slaves, and led them to safety in Canada. These wealthy benefactors began to funnel money and rifles to Brown to aid in his attack plan. That isn't to say they believed in his plan at all. 
When they asked him how he expected to end slavery with a 25-man army, only nine of which he actually had, Brown tossed out the old, If God is for us, (laughs) who can be against us? (laughs) Oh, you boys ever seen a grown man naked? (laughs) Hand me that grapeseed oil over there. I want to show you something. (laughs) Most of the abolitionists viewed Brown as a useful idiot and a potential martyr. In June of 1859, Brown and his men set up a house in Maryland known as the Kennedy Farm. A little strange, just because all the uh, assassination stuff. Kennedy, John Wilkes Booth, Johnson. I don't know. I got nothing, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John Wilkes Booth is not involved in this story, Chris. Wink. Wink. <laughs> but John F. Kennedy is. <laughs> you just gotta connect the dots. What are you boys doing here? You know what I'm gonna do? That's what I'm gonna do. I, you know, I have to stay up overnight on my day off to try and adjust for my new schedule as head surgeon at, of the janitors at Jack in the Box or whatever the fucking lie I made up last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna come up with this conspiracy that dates back to like 1760 something that led to the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Like they were planning on it back then. And see how many idiots on the internet I can get to buy into it. Oh, there's plenty of them. No, I know. I know. The plan had called for John Jr. to ship them in their guns and the thousand spears Brown had ordered in Christ's disguise as machinery so that the raid could go forward on July 4th. But Brown communicated in code and used fake names, and John Jr. still wasn't super on board with the plan, so it took almost four more months to gather the weapons. And sent him a telegram Hey, man, this is your buddy. Steve Jobs, why don't you send me those... Apples. Yes. Crates of apples, if you know what I'm saying. He just opens it up. It's just nothing but iPhone 6s. He's like, what the fuck? What the fuck is this shit? I wanted guns, not these these phones, which were severely out of date by 1859 standards. What the fuck is this shit? Get Steve on the fucking phone now! <laughs> ah, he died. He had something that was treatable, but he decided to eat avocados and stuff instead. So, yeah, he he's dead. What the fuck? Yeah, and we all hated him the day before he died because he stole all his inventions and took credit for it from his engineers, but now that he's dead, he's kind of a hero, kind of a hero inventor. You know, it's funny how that works. I don't know. Hey, tying it back in. <laughs> hey, there we go. In the meantime, the men played grab-ass at the farm. <sighs> Luckies. <laughs> the people of Maryland were suspicious of all these dudes hanging out together, for some reason. And so, most of the time, the guys had to hide out in the attic and come down in small numbers. <sighs> Luckies. There's like a secret bookcase that led up to the attic, and every time the Gestapo showed up, they had to be really quiet. Don't let them know, guys. Don't let them know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had to, uh... They had to turn down the music, you know. It's like, oh, wait, it's <laughs> <laughs> shh, shh, shh. <laughs> They're all in like mid twerk, but they don't want to move. Because <laughs> then the ship lap would adjust and the Gestapo would come up there. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> there'd be hell to pay. Let's just say that. The head officer is like walking through the house, like knocking on walls, trying to find secret passages, and he sees that. You know, the ladder access that you pull down, the or the attic access, I mean, that you pull down, a ladder folds. Uh-huh. It's called a scuttle hole. I did not know that. 
He pulls that, and then just, like, buckets of glitter fall down on him. (laughs) (laughs) They all know that they're going to the camp at this point. So they just turn it up as loud as they can. (laughs) Take me away, toys! (laughs) They're all getting shipped to the AMC Theater extermination camp. (laughs) The Gestapo throws them on the train to the AMC camp. And he's like, the captain gets on there. He's like, all right, welcome aboard. Today we have a nice balmy 65, 70% humidity. And uh, we expect a two-hour ride time. So your in-ride movie today is going to be Paul Blart Mall Cop 2, starring Kevin James. (laughs) Kill me! Just speed this motherfucker up! Let me get out! I'll lay under the tracks! (laughs) Jesus! (laughs) Just make people wish for death. That's the ticket to mass extermination. 100 Proof History. The joke just came out of my mouth, and I already feel like I need to issue an apology. Yeah, (laughs) I don't feel good about it at all. (laughs) Well, two of Brown's daughters also came to the farm to make it appear as if a family lived there. They were found out and blackmailed by the neighbors. Well, blackmail is the reason we're talking about this to begin with. (laughs) That's true. The neighbors showed up and they're like, there are 15 dudes and two women here. What is happening? Oh, we're uh, reverse Mormons. You know, just uh, a <laughs> lot of brother husbands. A shitload of brother husbands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Luckily, the women didn't know the plan. In fact, besides John Brown, Frederick Douglass, and a few rich white northerners, no one knew the fucking plan. Eventually, John got around to telling his men, and they immediately called him an idiot, with the loudest voices being his own sons, Owen, Oliver, and Watson. That poor salmon. Yeah, his, I was about to say, his other son, uh, Braised Pork, wasn't there that day. <laughs> <laughs> Brown said, uh, hey, hey, any of you motherfuckers want to be head dick in charge? Huh? Speak up, bitches. I'll, I'll give you... You can run this show, motherfuckers. I'll just sit over here, listen to my ACDC, and drink my wine coolers, and uh, look at you boys uh, do some calisthenics. <laughs> <laughs> it's hot. Take your shirts off. <laughs> A vote was held, and Brown was once again put in charge, and the plan to raid Harper's Ferry went forward. But early October, Brown's no. guns had arrived. But early... <laughs> Burly October. Burly October. Let's see him, bears. <laughs> yeah, that's my 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 troops name. As it were. <laughs> By early October, Brown's guns had arrived. His force had swelled to twenty-one men, and his twenty-one men had swelled as well. <laughs> yeah. Penis jokes. Among them were four freed slaves, including a man named Dangerfield Newby who hoped the raid would lead to the freedom of his wife and children who were still enslaved. Some cool names back in the day, you know? They did have cool names. Like, they came from, like, awful means, you know? mm -hmm. I wish they still had names like that. Like, um, the newest season of Fargo, dude's name is Dr. Senator. Yeah. fucking awesome. (laughs) Dr. Senator. My mind can't even make sense of that. (laughs) Right? And he's neither one. Like, no. Never, <laughs> yeah. Not at all. Brown believed the time for action was at hand. The crops were harvested so there would be food for a roving army of abolitionists. 
Fall church revivals made it more likely for white Christians to see the errors of their... <laughs> okay, John. <laughs> no, they weren't going <laughs> to... All right. Oh, also, John Brown was broke as fuck once again. And so, it was go time. Feels like a good place to take a break before we get to the actual fighting, the, the crazy raid on Harper's Ferry. Um, yeah, it's going to be some crazy shit happening. So, you guys go ahead and get a drink. Greg, I suggest you get a drink as well. Oh, I'm one step ahead of you, my friend. I've got drinks on standby. Yeah, look at you. That's nice. I, uh... You can see them. They're in the background. This is for the listener. They don't see it. Fuck them. Just like they didn't see that trailer you showed me earlier where it was like 90% just you standing naked in front of a green screen. I guess you haven't done the post yet. That was That was awkward for me. Well, I've never officially tried the helicopter, but I feel like it was a good first go, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, off-air, you you were telling me that, like, that's going to be a special effect, like a helicopter, like, crashing into the ground. He's like, just just look at it and picture it. You know, I, <laughs> I don't know why. You, how long is this effect? The trailer was only, like, two minutes. You've been making me spare, you stare at your helicopter dick for the last 12. He's like, just, just look. Just look what I can do. It's just me telling the whole story, but I'm naked doing the helicopter. <laughs> like, all this is just attempts at helicopter, but I try and keep my voice as loose as possible to where it sounds normal, right? It's like an old-timey car. You got to crank it for a little bit before it gets going, right? Oh, there we go. There we go. There's the voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was basically it. All right, let's take a break. All right. All right, listener, welcome back from break. I'm your sexiest of hosts, if in case you forgot. And our main host is here as well. We also have our producer, Wolf Dick. Dan, the intro guy's hanging out over there in the corner with Hambone. They're uh, getting a little comfortable. Lounge area. Yeah, they're uh, they're watching Notting Hill with Hugh Grant. Why don't you mind your own business? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hambone, you've had enough time in the last episode. <laughs> yes, God just damn it. Relax, yes, yes. <laughs> rest on your laurels. And you and Dan, you have yourselves a good, a good evening. You've done enough to get your union dues you're fulfilled. Your Screen Actors Guild, uh, you know they've uh, recognized you. You're getting the insurance. All you just be quiet. Just shush. So uh, yeah, welcome back for break, guys. Uh, about to tell the story of this raid. Uh, Greg, before we get into it, it's something I wanted to mention. This whole thing reminds me so much of a lot of stories we covered, but specifically the 1916 Irish Revolution we talked about. That's only available yeah. to our Patreon listeners at this point. The Easter Rising. Yeah, um, in which a bunch of guys went and did a bunch of crazy shit, a bunch of violent stuff. Um, it may or may not have worked out for them. Spoilers. Um, but like, no one else kind of knew what the fuck they were doing, so they kind of just show up and say, We're free! Hooray! And then everybody's like, Alright. Uh, that guy's well. just... Yep, uh, back to uh, whatever the fuck I was doing just now. You know? 
Um, and you guys will see that a little bit more. I'm going to continue toiling in this field over here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to die. What the <laughs> yeah. fuck? Right. Uh, and you guys will see that going forward, how that yeah, kind of plays in. It's just, it struck me, and I, I didn't want to forget to mention that it, it reminded me a lot of that story. And if you guys know that story, if you've listened to that episode, maybe you guys can connect the dots as well. Thank you, Christopher, for your introspection. Thank you. Uh, all right, fellas. Ladies, I guess. It is time for Second Half Seltzer. Second Half Seltzer. Second Half Seltzer. Second Half Seltzer! And a three, two, one, pop! We did it. We did do it. All right, now I'm going to go back to drinking the one I was already drinking. <laughs> I don't ever wait. <laughs> just can't help himself. Mm. So tasty. I can't. These unnamed seltzers are just, uh, they hit the spot, man. Mm-hmm. After a first half of the hard liquor. And, <laughs> you know, let's be honest. I continue uh, just taking shots throughout <laughs> the, the drinks of seltzer. But, yeah, you know. Oh, yeah, no, this is, uh, I don't know why this bit came about. I think it was because you always drink a seltzer after the break, trying to get back in the flow of things, trying to, you know, just lessen the load a little. And then don't blame this on me. I blame my whole life on you. My wife heard the last episode of the podcast and she was like, I'm leaving you. That's it. That's the last straw. (laughs) I'm like, really? It's it's not real. She's not. It's not real. She's like, oh. Also, I looked at your phone. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, say no more. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So, do you move out or do I move? How does this work? You know, just let's figure this out. Let's make it a- as amicable as amicable as possible. Yeah, Hambone actually said he's leaving me. I'm like, what? What do you mean? I am you. He's like, <laughs> no, you son of a bitch. I go through space and time. I inhabit whatever body I want. I was like, well, oh, oh. so how am I going to jerk off dudes now? <laughs> You're my excuse, Hambone. You're my excuse. <laughs> He's like, I've served my purpose. The power was inside you all along. No. No, it's not. I'm happily married man, Hambone. <laughs> happily married man. <laughs> I wish I was happily married to a man. <laughs> Look inside yourself. You were only happy when I was helping you. <laughs> Goodbye, Hambone. <laughs> As we go on. Cry myself to <laughs> cry myself to sleep at night. My wife's like, "What's wrong?" Oh, hey, mom's got I can't jerk off guys anymore. She's like, "Okay, <laughs> I'm going to the couch again." <laughs> she never understood me. Only you understand me, right, Hambone? And just silence. Oh God, Hambone. Stambo, come back. Come on! <laughs> I go to the ER later that night with two broken hands. I've been banging him against the wall trying to get him to talk all night. <laughs> Why are you here, sir? I don't even know anymore. <laughs> I don't know. 
And with that, on Sunday, (laughs) October 16th, 1859, John Brown gathered his men and went over the final plan. Three weak and wounded men, including Brown's son Owen, who had a crippled arm, would stay at the farm and guard weapons. The other 18 would ride into town, cut the telegraph lines, capture the railroad bridge over the Potomac River, capture the armory's night watchman, and then they'd fan out over the city, taking key points. Easy peasy, the slaves are freezy. Well, they arrived at about 10.30 that night and captured the watchman guarding the railway bridge. They then took him into town and began to fiddle with the locks to the armory gates. The watchman there figured it was the other security guard trying to get in, so he offered to help, and he too was promptly captured. Now, let's pause for a second to talk a little more about Harper's Ferry. It was a location picked by George Washington in the 1790s because he wanted to make the Potomac a major shipping lane and drive up the value of his own land. And if you listen to the Washington series, like you'll definitely understand this was his main motivation. Yeah, and he was pretty much always as broke as John fucking Brown. Like, just everything failed for him financially, so he's always looking for a way to make money. Super over-leveraged, constantly spent every dime he had to buy more land. Yeah. Well, the armory itself sat at the bottom of a valley and was surrounded by taller buildings that sat on hills around it. So, uh, some might call this a poor strategic position. Who would say that? That's... I don't understand why being no, overlooked. Never. No. No. Just the uh, higher ground. No. Yeah. Okay. Maybe <laughs> I'm alone in that. <laughs> That's like, you know, that time in 1916 when I led this revolution and I decided to hang out in the park and there was like these tall buildings around me where people could machine guns and rifles and shoot down on me. Like, but at least uh, you dug those trenches, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was set up, man. Another Easter rebellion reference there, guys. If you want to check that episode out, give us money. When capturing these two guys, Brown and his men had taken the entirety of the armory security force hostage, and both of them carried swords. Not guns. While guarding a sprawling industrial complex that held hundreds of thousands of guns, these guys (laughs) had swords. Had swords. You don't make money by giving the guns away, Greg. I'm just saying. (laughs) I guess not. What do I know about business? I'm invested in fucking GameStop and AMC. (laughs) Let's talk about that for a second. Like, I feel, I'll wake up at three in the morning and go, did I lock the interior garage door? Like, what if someone breaks through my exterior garage door? Then they can just open the garage door, walk in and murder and rape me in my sleep. They had Mm -hmm. a hundred thousand guns guarded by two dudes, and one of them was really just guarding the railroad that ran past the 100,000 guns. Like, ah, nobody, nobody's gonna fuck with this. Nobody, who wants guns, right? It's like, you know, seven, it's 1859, we don't need the shit. I don't know if I was in the middle of a fever dream earlier today. You know, where they're like super fucking vivid and yeah. whatever. But I woke up to the sound of my dog barking in the mm-hmm. backyard, and I was like, wait, did I let him in? Mm-hmm. And I look over, the dog's in the bed. What do I do? I get up, and I go downstairs, just to make sure there's not a dog in the backyard. It's like, mm-hmm. why did I do that? 
because I couldn't ignore it. Even though the fucking dog that I'm like, oh shit, did I leave Franklin outside? Mm-hmm. I look over, there's Franklin. Oh, I don't know. I still need to make sure Franklin's not outside. That was very vivid. <laughs> Go down there and, and check and there's nothing. It's like, mm, I've cucked myself again. Oh uh, yeah, I do that shit all the time. I really do. Like sleeping in bed, like you're about to fall asleep and you and you like to have that that half dream where something slams. Ooh, I hate that. You fucking jerk your body. Like, oh god. You're like, that was just a dream. There's nobody here. But what if probably is here? <laughs> what if my dog has been duplicated and he is outside <laughs> and in <Yeah>. distress? <laughs> I gotta save the dog. Wait. It's He's a very right. balmy 50 degrees <laughs> yeah. here in Texas in the winter. He might be freezing to death. Completely fenced in, like nothing can get to him. He's barking. Uh, I don't well, know. We got a pool. I don't want him to drown, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I had that shit queued up, bitch. Jenkins, fetch the net. Another one of my Franklins has drowned in the pool. On to Franklin 12. <laughs> Sir, don't you think we should put a fence around the pool? I didn't if say it was a nice pool. <laughs> it's 12 feet above ground. They just really like climbing that ladder. <laughs> <laughs> it's a kiddie pool. You can buy them for ten ninety five at Walmart. <laughs> well, back to the story. John Brown had captured the watchman and cut the telegraph lines. It was then that he revealed to his captives his intentions when he said, I want to free all the... Am I allowed to say this, Chris? Am I allowed to say it? <laughs> well, as long as you do a funny voice that can't be traced back to you. I want to free all the Negroes in this state. If the citizens interfere with me, I must only burn the town and have blood. Well, now check out check out this panda guy. If you if you tilt it, her clothes fall off. <laughs> Look at that shit, man. You guys want to hang out at later or what? <laughs> Problem was there were only about fifty slaves in Harper's Ferry, and so he had to send a wagon full of men out into the neighboring countryside. It was here that they captured Lewis Washington, the great grandnephew of the first president of the United States and stole a bunch of George Washington's old stuff. His slaves weren't home, as it was Sunday, and he allowed them to visit their families on Sundays. What you a know, the hero. holy day. Oh, what, a nice, nice what a nice fucking guy, right? <laughs> yeah, right? His great-granduncle was like, oh, this would be a problem for future generations. He's like, oh, man, my, my great-granduncle really, really... Didn't like slavery, even though he profited off it for his whole entire life. Uh, but uh, we and should his prob- wife, you know, she said, you know, when I die, all all the slaves are free. Yeah, but I'm still alive, so I'm gonna keep some slaves. <laughs> it's somehow all of her slaves got passed on to some dude named Robert E. Lee, who might come up later. Who's saying? Nah, he's not gonna come up in this story. There's no, no way. That's stupid. It'd be too many coincidences, right? You know, we're dropping all these hints about Robert E. Lee, John Wilkes Booth. There's yeah. no way that all that shit comes up. It wouldn't make just, sense. Just John like, Wilkes Booth is a, a famous actor in, in fucking right. Maryland. It would yeah, not no. make sense. No. Well, after they went to old L- L- Little Boy Washington's place, 
they moved on to the next farm and captured its owner and freed seven slaves. Things were going just great for Brown's Raiders, all right? That's it, man. We did it. Mission accomplished. Freed the slaves. Hang the banner. And listener, savvy listener, of course, it was around this time that things started to go to complete and utter shit for John Brown. Just after midnight, another watchman showed up on the railway bridge for shift change. He noticed the dude he was replacing was missing, so he went walking along the bridge, at which point he was confronted by two of Brown's armed men. He thought they were robbers and booked it back to a nearby hotel where he reported the event. About an hour later, a train arrived. The watchman warned them about the robbers, so they got out on foot to investigate. They soon spotted two armed men who shouted, STAND AND DELIVER! Naturally, they were confused as to why these ruffians were shouting the title of a heartwarming 1988 film about a teacher who turns around a class full of gang members, and so they turned, and they ran. That's a, that's a Lou Diamond Phillips jam right there. Yeah, James Edward almost just landed that shit. Right now, there's one, literally one listener out of the thousands upon thousands of listeners we have. And he's just dying laughing and punching the dashboard. He's like, yeah, I saw the movie. <laughs> it's fucking great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It almost won an Oscar, but didn't, no one remembers it, but I do. Oh. oh. He's so happy. He's just fucking beating it. Yeah, she completely forgot Not his wife just the dashboard, left him. But he's, he's like jacking off. And Hambone's like, no, no, you look at me in the eyes, you focus on me, turn off that podcast. <laughs> Hambone, stay the fuck out of our stories, dude, you're starting right, to Jesus. take over, Jesus Christ. Right. Uh, he's, sorry guys, he's a, kind of a glory hog. <laughs> this is a 1988 film, this, that one listener, knocked up his wife that year, had a daughter, things fell apart in the early 90s, when he really got into, uh. You know, the sex chats, the cyber sex on AOL online. And his family left him. And right now, he stopped laughing. He stopped pounding the dashboard. He's just bawling his eyes out because he just wants to reconnect with his daughter. And I really hope we can make that happen. Well, (laughs) shots were fired, and one of the (laughs) men was struck and gravely wounded. His name was Hayward Shepard. He was the baggage master of the train, and also, he was a black man. That's right. The first casualty of John Brown's plan to free the slaves was a freed slave. Whatever. He's already been freed. (laughs) Problem solved there, right? Ah, Well, he's a a free man. We're not counting that on the (laughs) statistics of dead slaves, right? (laughs) John Brown's just racking his brain like, we're we're still good. (laughs) Well, throughout the night, John Brown and his men captured around 40 people and brought them to the armory. That morning, John went out to meet the engineer of the train and told them they didn't want to hurt anyone, and he'd allow the train to pass through the town. The engineer booked it out of town and immediately reported the assault to the federal government. You know, dialed that 911, patch me through to the federal government, please. Yeah, it's federal government. (laughs) 
What are you wearing? <laughs> he just picked up the can on a string. Hello? He's like, yes. <laughs> this is the Secretary of War. What is this? Yeah, uh, this is an engineer. Um, I just got a question. He's like, what? Is your refrigerator running? <laughs> yes, it seems to be running. Well, you better go and catch it. Ah! He just throws the I can le- down. <laughs> I legitimately <laughs> talked to a guy earlier today, and he was bitching about landlines, you know, normal phone lines. Yeah. And about how they get fucked up or whatever. And he's like, I mean, we, we've had landlines for like 200 years. This shouldn't be happening. And I was just kind of like, <laughs> 200 mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Just not nodding in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know how many times that is me looking at history memes and someone says something's like, it's uh, not right, but I'm gonna leave it alone because I don't feel like getting involved. I don't feel like getting in conversation with you fucking morons. Aren't people the worst? People are the worst. God, I hate people. Except all oh, you lovely listeners. Well, just after that, one of Brown's men killed an Irish grocer who had run at them with a shotgun, thinking the town was being invaded. They shot him right in his lucky charms, Greg. Right in the old groin. Oh! What is his wife's boyfriend going to make fun of now? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the townspeople were understandably confused about what the fuck was happening. This dude had shown up, taken custody of a hundred thousand guns, kidnapped George Washington's great-grandnephew, killed a freed black man and a storekeeper, And now, he was telling everyone that he meant no harm and just wanted to free the slaves. So, (laughs) naturally, they formed a militia of about a hundred fucking dudes, grabbed their guns, and went off to fight Brown and his men. Brown's men came under sporadic fire around their various positions throughout the city. His second-in-command, John Kagey, sent a message to Brown saying, Let's get the fuck out of here. He received no response. As one of his men moved between positions, he was shot through the neck and killed. Unfortunately, it was Dangerfield Newby, the freed black man who was fighting to save his wife and children. Throughout the day, townsfolk would mutilate his body to take souvenirs of their kill. Yeah, and this is the guy I think I feel the worst for in this whole situation. I know, right? Things are going to get worse for this group, but this guy had the most honorable of motives. He wanted to free his wife and children from slavery. Um, He had, like I said, just the purest motives, and he got suckered into John Brown's plan. Believing that John Brown had a fucking plan, he got suckered into that, and, uh, you know, he gave his life for that, for that, that dream of freedom, even though... Uh, if he'd actually like thought about John Brown's ideas here, it was never going to work out. It was never going to lead to the freedom of anybody. At the same time, maybe he knew that. Yeah. You know, yeah. because he was a freed slave, and he's trying to then fight for the freedom of his wife and children. Yeah. So maybe even his own freedom, it wasn't worth it without them still being enslaved. I don't know. Maybe that's a romantic idea of the whole situation no that is i feel like you're spot on because when uh he was killed he had letters in his pocket that were recovered um 
where his wife is just like begging him. It's like she's she's afraid that she's going to get sold and shipped further south. Um, right. And just begging him to come there and save her. And so, yeah, I, it probably was. You know, he's like, freedom's not worth having if I can't be free with the ones I love. And so he was willing to sacrifice himself. But I don't know if him or the other people involved in this plot knew just how bad John Brown's plans were. And uh, I'm not sure John Brown even had faith that this plan would work. Well, John Brown then sent out a soldier with a flag of truce to negotiate. Instead, he was captured and interrogated. Since that didn't work, Brown sent two more men out with a white flag. These two, Aaron Stevens and Watson Brown, were promptly shot. They were dragged back to safety, but Watson would die after suffering in agony for a few hours. Brown was resolute that if he held his position, the slaves in the area would rise up and come to his aid, even if they had no way of even knowing what the hell he was doing. The men in other positions around the city, however, began to say fuck this noise and tried to escape. They were gunned down as they tried to run across the river. Around the same time, the popular mayor of Harper's Ferry came out blasting his rifle because he was so distraught over the death of the freed slave, Hayward Shepard. He was immediately shot and killed. In response, the raider who had been captured earlier when attempting to negotiate was dragged outside and shot in the fucking face. John Brown pulled back to the armory's engine house with his hostages and set up a defensive position. The townsfolk charged the building. Brown and his men were able to repel the charge, but in the fight, two men, including Brown's son, Oliver, were shot and killed. It was late Monday afternoon by the time the shooting in Harper's Ferry finally calmed down, so at this point, the raid had gone on for about 18-ish hours. Jesus. Earlier in the day, the U.S. War Department had actually gotten word about the insurrection, and they began to muster a response. They called on a uh, Virginian and Mexican war hero, somebody you might have heard of, Mm -hmm. that went by the name of Colonel Robert E. Lee and put him in charge of 90 Marines. The troops arrived in Harper's Ferry after midnight on Tuesday, but Lee decided to wait until the morning to engage with Brown. And i just like to take a second to talk about Lee. Um, our main source does point out that Lee supposedly hated slavery, thought it was evil, but also believed that, uh, there was nothing man could do to eliminate slavery. And eventually, you know, God would get rid of slavery somehow, you know, that it was a necessary evil, kind of like, uh, a lot of the founding fathers believed like, oh no, I know slavery's bad, but, uh, kind of makes me rich. Really fucking rich. And like I said earlier, right. he inherited, he married uh, a woman named Custis, who was the, I believe the granddaughter, maybe great granddaughter, I can't remember, of Martha Custis, who became Martha Washington. And he inherited the generational slaves from the Custis family, the ones that George Washington couldn't free legally because they didn't belong to him, they belonged to the Custis family. And so... Yeah, he's profiting off of slavery. He's like, um, yeah, it's it's really bad, you guys, but uh, I'm sure if God hates it, it'll go away eventually, right? <laughs> you know? 
Well, that morning at Harper's Ferry, he sent Lieutenant Jeb Stewart to speak with Brown. He asked Brown to surrender and free the hostages. Brown said he wanted a wagon to take him and the hostages out of town, and then he said he'd fight the troops to the death, but he'd be super chill if, you know, maybe they give him a little bit of a <laughs> head start at first. I don't know. Here's what I want. Here's what I want. I want uh, you guys let me take a helicopter out of town. I'll release the hostages. Then I'll take another helicopter. You can further away. Then I'll fight you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, Stuart told them to fuck off out of here with that nonsense. The refusal to surrender was exactly what Lee had expected. He immediately ordered his men to attack. Well, the Marines ran at the wooden doors with sledgehammers, but they failed to break them down. Then they grabbed a big ass fucking ladder and used it as a battering ram. Stupid. You just climb up the building. And then jumping through the sky like Batman. Fucking morons. Well, I mean, it, it doesn't take that long, eventually. <laughs> and, uh, you know, with those ladders, they smashed a small hole in the door and began to climb through. Both sides opened fire, and two Marines were shot, one of which would die later from his wound. Wounds. Wounds, excuse me. <laughs> My goodness. Most of the raiders surrendered quickly. But Brown continued to fight. Lieutenant Israel Green made it to Brown and struck him in the head with the blade of his sword. He then stabbed Brown in the left breast with the blade. God, he must be dead. End of story. But, uh, wouldn't you know? It turned out that it was a fucking ceremonial dress sword, which immediately <laughs> bent and broke. This is a toy lightsaber. He, like, whipped it out. <laughs> <laughs> but still, like, Green, after all of this, took the handle <laughs> and just beat the fuck out of Brown with it until he was unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> and it loses energy. Oh, oh the D-cell died. Right, well, <laughs> he just beat the fuck out of him. He starts crying. He's, like, bawling his eyes out. Like, shh, shh, Mom, I'll hear you. Shh, you can hit me back. It's fine. Shh, shh. <laughs> John Brown had come to Harper's Ferry with 18 men. Seven had been captured. Eleven were killed, including two of his own sons. But, I mean, you know, he had like 30 of those guys, so. Yeah, whatever. we're supposed to, f our main source is like, oh, and he lost two of his own sons. Like, I feel bad about that. Like, okay, well, don't do stupid shit. You know, play stupid games, yeah. win stupid prizes, right, Screech? Pouring out for Screech, guys. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I hate Screech. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, Screech. I, I'll never let this go. Burn you in hell, like you piece person, of shit. Though, so, uh, <laughs> Ugh. Well, I wake up yeah, in so the morning and alarm clock warning. I'm oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I was thinking say about <laughs> so <soft> going. <laughs> Don't know if you're going to make it on time. On time. <laughs> well... Anyway, back to uh, John Brown and Harper's Ferry. <laughs> he had held the armory for about 30 hours. I don't know why I said that like it was impressive. That's, <laughs> I guess that's not a, that impressive. How long have you had it, held an armory, Greg? I guess zero hours. But <laughs> there you go. Okay. He held an infinite percentage amount more than you did. That is true. You fucking loser. The thing is, it took Robert E. Lee and the U.S. Marines a total of three 
minutes <laughs> to capture the armory and arrest John Brown. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Like we, we can try to frame this story in whatever way we want and like yeah oh man they tried to breach the door this way and then ended up having to use a ladder yeah. <laughs> three minutes like it took a long time or something but within three minutes of them starting he was arrested this is what cracks me up with all these people like oh we're gonna have a we're gonna have another civil war it's gonna happen it's like motherfucker i know you have your ars and your shotguns you've been stockpiling for years the government has drones they can nuke your shit from orbit. You know, this is over in minutes. Well, dude, you know me. You yes. know what? I have a lot I've of guns. I've met you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know I have a lot of guns, and I am a big proponent of the Second Amendment. But mm-hmm. the way that some people use the Second Amendment is ridiculous. Like, if you think that you should be able to have everything that your government has in order to defend yourself from it, you might be tarted, maybe a little tarted. <laughs> like, if you think if you have enough money, you should be able to buy a nuclear Scud missile. Right. <laughs> maybe you're a little tarted. I don't know. Whatever, man. I think there Nobody- should definitely be a ton of restrictions on what civilians can buy on the open market. Well, John Brown was placed on trial, and it was something of a circus. The judge was staunchly pro-slavery and sat with his feet up on the bench and barely listened to the defense's objections. His attorneys tried to get him to say he was insane, but he refused. On October 31st, he was found guilty of treason and murder. Halloween! Halloween. (laughs) I do like the image of this guy trying to defend himself. While laying on a cot, like, oh yeah, this guy, he, he just wanted to, you know, overthrow the whole government, he just wanted to steal all the guns, he's like, ah, this fucking bullshit, and Douglas, Dr. Douglas Pepper just runs over there and start, starting CPR, fuck, keep him alive, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> on December 2nd, 1859, John Brown was led to a gallows constructed in the middle of a field. It was surrounded and guarded by 1,500 volunteer militia members, including one, John Wilkes Booth. And he just kind of showed up. He stole a uniform and just showed up. I don't know if we made that clear in the Lincoln series. He wasn't a member of a militia, never trained. He just fucking, like, costume change! (laughs) He just showed up and switched uniforms. He's like, I'm a soldier now, fellas! He did the salute thing. Yeah. At 11 a.m., John Brown was hanged. Two weeks later, the rest of his captured raiders were also executed. In the North, the staunch abolitionists praised and celebrated John Brown, but the moderate Republicans denounced him as a zealot. Lincoln being one. In the South, they saw the raid as further proof that they could not coexist with people who wanted to end slavery. Within 18 months, the entire country would be in the midst of a civil war. In the end, John Brown's raid had been an abject failure, but it was a failure that eventually led to the emancipation of the slaves. So, is he a hero? Well, let me answer your question with a question. 
If I deliberately run over a homeless person with my car, and it turns out that he was a child murderer, am I a hero? The answer is a resounding yes. End of story. Woo! Did it. Oh, nice. Thank you, Wolf Dick. We did it once again. We told you that story. A very interesting story, I think. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people know about that little tale of conspiracy and planning and just complete fuck-uppery. I don't think so. So, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. But right now, Gregory, it is time for Fast Facts. Fast Fact number one. Brown had told the Quakers, who were abolitionists, about his plan to raid Harper's Ferry. The Quakers are also pacifists and just hated his plan. They notified the Secretary of War, who wrote it off as a hoax, and ignored the warning. Harper's Ferry was an inside job. (laughs) Fast fact number two. The rifles that Brown's men carried were Sharps rifles. They were the most deadly and accurate rifles of the time, and they gave rise to the term sharpshooter. Fast fact number three. During the raid, the citizens of Harper's Ferry had plenty of guns, but not a lot of ammo. And so, while the men went off to fight John Brown, the women and children stayed behind and melted down all the lead and pewter to make bullets. Fast fact number four. As we mentioned, John Wilkes Booth was present for the hanging of John Brown. While he hated what Brown stood for, Booth admired his willingness to die for his cause and would later identify Brown as one of his inspirations. The Civil War era began and ended with a dude with the initials of J.B. attempting to overthrow the government and winding up executed. You're welcome for blowing your mind. All right. Well, that is another episode of Hunter Proof History. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you learned something. I know Wolf Dick learned something. He learned a valuable lesson. And that's never to interrupt the main hosts when we're doing this show. Just shut your mouth. Don't you bother us over here! (laughs) God damn it. I thought we were done for it with him for a week. I thought we could just... Me too, dude. It's fucking Dan and Wolf Dick. They're just... They're having Chardonnays and... Allison in HR sent him that letter and said, Hey, you're suspended for a week. And he's like, Okay, cool. I'm just going to hang out. You know, I'm just going to be in the background. I won't say anything. And then we just can deal oh, with this shit. Oh, yeah. You know him. Hambone the conformist. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. You know... The worst thing I've ever done is gone to the movies with Hambone. He would not shut the fuck up. He thought his jokes were so funny. And he's like, hey, don't go in there, girl. I'm like, God damn it. This isn't even that kind of movie. It's not a horror movie, Hambone. Shut up. Shut up. You figured that would be his, like, optimal environment, you know? Oh, yeah. Doing the I'm popcorn the most, trick and shit. Yeah. yeah. The most HJs uh, per capita. <laughs> I guess. Or per area are going to happen in theaters. That's- that's why I threw so much money into AMC. Anyway. You poor guy. <laughs> anyway, we thank you guys for listening. Uh, check us out, 100proofhistory.com, at 100proofhistory on all your social media feeds, mostly Instagram, because we kind of abandoned the rest. 
And also, check us out on Patreon. You can find the link on 100proofhistory.com where you can subscribe for just $3 a month. You get bonus episodes, early releases, and the old episodes, which we reference all the time to try and drive up the revenue. Gregory, what else? I don't have anything for these people, Chris. You motherfuckers better get out of here. It's about to get weird. Shut up. (laughs) Bye, guys. Goodbye. When John was 12, he saw a slave boy being beaten. Being slave boy being beaten. Fucking tongue twister. Beating beating. Beating beady beady. Beanie babies. He saw a slave boy beanie baby and he just had to have it. No, okay. When he was twelve. Funny joke here about Mason Dix. I don't know. Okay. Uh, the fuck is wrong with you? There's so <laughs> This train is derailed. Ned Kelly is just picking off the bodies one by one as they climb out of the fucking wreckage. Don't you reference old shows. Don't you ever do it again. I need the money.